Finding love is never easy, even without a pandemic. Now, it's even harder. It's difficult during corona. It's difficult to meet your partner, to see them, to go out with them. You know, it's difficult. That's Ernest. He's 29 and lives in Juba, the capital of South Sudan. Since the pandemic, he's had trouble meeting up with his girlfriend. And Angela, who's 25, is also in Juba and has been trying to meet up with her boyfriend. Talking about your love life is hard, so she asked us to use a pseudonym. Angela's not her real name. But since Juba started an 8 p.m. curfew, meeting up with her boyfriend's gotten even harder. When the curfew was announced first, I was frustrated because, you know, I used to sneak out at night to go see him. (laughs) That's the first problem. So now, after nine, I can't go anywhere. And it's not just the curfew. Ernest doesn't want to get anyone sick. At the end of the day, you are afraid that maybe you got corona, you know. You don't want her to get infected. But staying healthy has its own problems. If I go with no mask, he gets frustrated, like he'll come to bring me a mask. He will even fight about this mask issues. But even with all that, the virus can't keep the couples apart. Yeah, of course you cannot keep it distant. It cannot be, you know. Sometimes you need to hug. But even in the most intimate moments, it isn't far from either of their minds. In the bedroom... But if we come from out before we go to bed, everyone goes showers and go to bed and we always had sanitizer. Well, at least he did, I didn't. Yeah, and you'll be like, ah, okay, then if she got it, no problem, I'm ready to get it. You see? It was actually difficult. It's pretty difficult. You're not seeing your girl, she's not seeing you. So yeah, that's what happened during Corona. And then things are not going to be like the way it used to be, you know? Quarantine, social distancing, the words we use to describe our new lives during this pandemic just sound lonely. And for a lot of people, even with a vaccine on the horizon, that's exactly what this pandemic is. Lonely and scary and sometimes sad. It can help to be with someone you love. But if you weren't married or living with a partner before the pandemic, it's hard to navigate a new relationship now while staying safe. So does this pandemic mean there's a little less love in the world and a little less happiness? Or is this just one more pandemic challenge people are figuring out how to work around? Today, we're going to hear a few different answers from couples and those who want to be coupled around the world trying to figure that out. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. And this is Richard Slatcher, a psychology professor at the University of Georgia in the U.S. And I study relationships. Right now, he's studying love in the time of COVID, literally. That's what his latest study is called. And much earlier in his studies, he learned a pretty important lesson about relationships. Our relationships can determine how healthy we are, even whether we live or die. 
Our relationships are the most important things in our life. If you look at the biggest predictors of what leads to a happy life, a physically healthy life, mortality, social relationships are the number one predictor, a bigger predictor of mortality, even believe it or not, than smoking. Wow. So I would never ask this question ordinarily, but given the topic, how are your relationships these days? They're good, but my wife and I certainly are constantly evaluating how kind of we're doing. You know, are we spending enough time with friends, things that people that study relationships would do? And it's been pretty good. It's nice enough weather here in Athens, Georgia, where we can go and have a drink or dinner outside and uh, social distancing with friends here. But it's not just his own relationship he's been evaluating. Professor Slatcher is trying to figure out how relationships all over the world are changing during this pandemic and how those changing relationships are also changing people's lives for better and worse. And that's what I wanted to ask him about. So you are researching love in the time of COVID-19. Why the interest in love right now? I wanted something that would give meaning to my life. My wife was obsessively following the whole COVID-19 crisis from like January. Other people were like, oh, you know, I can't wait to go back to school in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. When the lockdown started here in the U.S., right about the 15th of March, everything just closed down that week. I wasn't teaching that semester. I had a lot of time on my hands, frankly. And a fellow researcher suggested they do this study on love. Professor Slatcher had no reason not to agree to it. So they set up a web page with a questionnaire and they gave it a name. By the way, borrowed from the, the wonderful novel Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Love in the Time of COVID began. How did you and your team go about asking people about their love lives? It's really a challenge. So we basically had to rely on people's good nature we had a very large number in the beginning, 5,000 people from around the world, upwards of 50 or 60 countries in the study. Wow. We now have a group of about 800 that have stayed with us the whole time. So 50, 60 countries, and I know it was also translated into several languages. We had 11 languages, Chinese, and the major European languages like Italian, Spanish, Thai. We've tried our best to really make this an international endeavor because this is happening to all of us. Right. So for a while, it seemed like things were getting better. And then it seemed like things were getting worse in a lot of places. And it feels like we're in that period right now. I'm wondering if there's been hesitation on the part of your team, if you're thinking things are really dire right now. It feels almost frivolous to talk about love and relationships. Yeah. So we try to be really understanding about that. For those people who are directly affected by the pandemic in terms of loss, they're having acute suffering right now. For everyone else, I think there can sometimes be, I don't want to say a disconnect, but I suppose some perspective where they can look at their own life and say, this is going pretty well, especially all things considered. Even though I know as a world and as a country, things are not going so well. For many participants in our study, what we're hearing from them is that it seems to give them meaning too. In terms of thinking about their relationships, I think a lot of them have come to appreciate their relationships a lot more, right? Once you've been through it, I think for many, they're starting to maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's six months away. 
maybe it's still eight months away. The coronavirus vaccine will be given to millions of people across Europe from today as countries including France, Spain and Italy begin the rollout of their vaccination programs. The first doses of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine are on the move across the U.S. But I think people are more resilient than we give them credit for. Now, does that mean that there aren't a lot of people suffering out there in our study? There are. So... Let's talk specifics if you can. From the beginning of the study, you were talking to single people, people living with partners, people with kids. How were those people feeling back then? You do see a difference between people living alone and people living with other people. You see people who are living with others doing a little bit better, not a ton better, but but a little bit better in terms of happiness, lower levels of depression, lower levels of loneliness. But that's actually something we typically see anyway because of the importance of social connections. But then you see over time across the pandemic, they're still a little bit less happy than the people living with others, but they're, they're getting a little bit happier. Were they dating more? Were they trying to figure out how to date? More uh, the latter rather than the former. So in the media, Early on in the pandemic, people were talking about how people were doing Zoom dating. Okay, so match. They have this new feature where you actually get to video chat with someone. The vibe check. There's more than one way to date. With eHarmony's new video date, you can get to know that special someone wherever and whenever you like. Unlock dating. Match Group, the company behind the online dating sites Match.com and Tinder, wrote in an August letter to investors that their number of first-time subscribers increased by more than 15% in Western Europe and North America. That's from the end of February to the end of July. And in the rest of the world, there was a smaller increase, but an increase too, which does seem to indicate some hope in the air. We saw a little bit of that, but what we saw was a lot more frustration. If there are people who have been really disappointed it has been those single people who have wanted to date. And if you give me a second, I can actually mm-hmm. look at oh, great. some of these uh, quotes yeah, that'd be great. from some of our, our participants uh, who have given us uh, permission in an anonymized way to, to share some of these. So this one person says, overall, I prefer meeting people in real life. Most of my social energy right now is being spent with my family and friends. That's a pretty typical response. People are realizing, okay, I can get to know somebody a little bit on Zoom, but then what? You know? We did a little bit of our own research, too. Anecdotal, not scientific, but we reached out to a few different people around the world in the process of dating. Hello, my name is Sebastian. I'm 37 years old, originally from Germany, and I'm currently living in Barcelona. I'm a sales manager in an international software company, and my current dating status is single. Sebastian is trying to meet a man. The special one? (laughs) If you tell me where he is, I will be the first one who's jumping on the next plane and going to meet him. And to find him, he's relied on dating apps, but the pandemic has changed how he's used them. In these days, we all go through the applications, Grindr, Scruff, and of course, I have some old-style meetups where I met someone in a bar, in a restaurant, or even at the beach. Before COVID, it was much easier. But yes, when COVID started, of course, I did not go on dates anymore. It was more chatting and keep myself entertained because it was not a possibility to meet anyone. And I'm a really responsible person. So for me, it was no question. So I asked Professor Slatcher where people are turning now 
to find love and the happiness that goes with it. A lot of people are reconnecting with friends, family members who they have lost touch with. This one woman says, I had a few Skype dates early on and quarantined. The guy was chatting with me and then suddenly stopped responding. He messaged me after a few days because I reached out and explained that he wasn't feeling the online dating thing. I was bummed and I haven't had any interest in trying again with online dating apps. Instead, I'm trying to reconnect again with family and friends to spend quality time doing other things. Alex Weissman, an American in her 20s who we reached out to, told us that's kind of how she felt too. Hi, I'm Alex Weissman. I'm a master's student at Stanford studying computer science. I don't know, I don't know what status to say. I guess I'm single technically. I've always been a big dating app user, and then when COVID hit, I was at home with my family, and so I didn't want to risk getting my family sick. And then the dating app started trying to accommodate the lockdown more by adding video calls and such, so I tried doing FaceTime dates a little more, but then my focus was mostly just to be healthy and to be with family, and so I wasn't thinking as much about dating at the time, and so... I actually kind of stopped using them for a short while because I felt like there wasn't much of a purpose. And Professor Slatcher says they've seen this happening a lot. There are very few people in our sample who are dating new people right now. The only people generally that we're seeing that are doing a little bit of dating are really young people. So like between the ages of 20 and 25, I think those people who feel a bit safer from a health standpoint, anybody over that age, they're just sort of saying, I'm just going to wait it out. The ones that are dating are in slightly more serious or very serious relationships. Kanthi is Indonesian and is in a serious long distance relationship. We got this message from her at the end of September. I have a long distance relationship, which is tough during pandemic. We usually meet up every month. Now, we haven't seen each other for months. Our government, Indonesian government, still has not opened the border for a tourist. And as Indonesian passport holder, we are banned by 59 countries. So that's making me even difficult for us to actually be together. He is a European, so European passport holder are easier than, than Indonesian. So um, I found one country that's still open, which is South Africa. Yay! So we so happy. And then just before we book the flight, I just do the recheck just to make sure. And in September, the South African government also banned Indonesian passport holder to come to South Africa. So we are back to square one now. We don't know when we will ever see each other again. Some of these stories are especially sad. So I asked Professor Slatcher how people missing love are coping, particularly while things are so hard. Yeah, that's a good question. One, people are getting used to it. And two, I think people are figuring out ways to be creative about maintaining social connections, whether it be Zoom, whether it's figuring out ways to maintain social connection, socially distanced. It did help that we entered the summer where people can do things outside. We have the ability to geographically map our participants 
And so we can see for people in more temperate climates, are they going to be doing better than those people in, say, Detroit, Chicago, where it's going to be a lot more challenging, right? I know. My family's in Chicago and I'm already, I'm already feeling bad for them. That doesn't mean good things for hanging out outside. Exactly. I mean, I, we tried to get a couple of those heat lamps for our patio and they're already sold out. I can only imagine oh, wow. if you're in a really cold weather climate that, that, that that's the case. Okay. So about Zoom, just a heads up, if you find yourself using the virtual meeting tech often, you might want to get your boss or your family to listen in on this one. So what about Zoom? So I started noticing how irritating big Zoom calls were personally. And, and I started hearing about Zoom fatigue. So one of the things we did was we asked people to reflect on a recent experience where they use Zoom when they were with one other person, two to three other people, or four or more people. And then we said, okay, how, how did you feel about it afterwards? And so what we see is this really linear relationship where the bigger the Zoom call, the less people enjoy it, the more fatigued <laughs> they are. And here's where, here's where it, this is resonating. It's resonating, I'll bet. And what's really interesting about this is that you see the effect especially pronounced among extroverts. Extroverts seem to be pretty miserable. Can you tell why that is? This is one of the fun things about being a social scientist when one question leads to another. And one of the things that we're asking in this experiment is in these, all of these different types of interactions, to what extent are you really able to talk, open up and share your thoughts and feelings? And to what extent uh, are people able to be responsive to you, to really get where you're coming from? Because those two things, what we call self-disclosure and responsiveness, are the two biggest predictors of how close people feel to one another, whether it's a romantic partner or a friend. It's the defining characteristics of how people become close to one another. And my sense is that on these larger Zoom calls, extroverts especially who like to talk <laughs> can't talk. Yeah. Right? You have 10 people there. And also, you can't be responded to, right? Because if somebody's nodding their head, they might be nodding their head at me or you uh, or somebody else, right? That makes sense. And we do seem to find that the Spanish speakers – really hate Zoom even more than English speakers do. <laughs> they really, really miss the in-person interactions. Nicole and Sharif, another couple we talked to, weren't willing to settle for a Zoom relationship. They're married now, but they didn't start off that way. In fact, they didn't start off on the same continent. My name is Sharifah. I live in Dakar, Senegal. I am a professional surfer. I am Nicole Sweet. I am a professional photographer. I am from New York, living in Dakar, Senegal. And I met Sharif last summer when I came to Dakar for the NBA to shoot Basketball Without Borders. I spent a day shooting surfing in Dakar and I saw Sharif in the water. He is the champion of Senegal, so I was getting some great photos of him. After a couple of photo shoots with Sharif and trips to Dakar, we decided that we wanted to be together. I was already working on coming to spend time in Dakar for a job for a new basketball league in Africa. 
that was at the beginning of March, right before everything was starting with COVID. And I got here and one week after I arrived, the job was no longer happening and airport closed down. So we then had to make a lot of decisions. I had to go into lockdown from 8 p.m. to 6 a.m., I believe. And we had to kind of figure out, were we going to be in this together? Were we going to be separated? Which didn't feel natural, being that I just came to Dakar. And the whole point of me being here was for us to be able to explore a relationship. And I thought at the time that it would be better to stay here. So we decided that we were going to just stay together. I've been in Dakar for about seven months. A few months ago, Sharif and I got married. And Nicole says for her, that's been the biggest blessing of the pandemic. But marriage during a pandemic isn't always easy either. One American survey found that 34% of married men and women between 18 and 55 report the pandemic has increased stress in their marriage. But another study came out in October saying the number of divorces in the U.S. in 2020 has gone down. I asked Professor Slatcher to shed some light on life for married couples now. Married couples, particularly ones who either don't have kids yet or especially people who have older kids or are empty nesters, they've been saying, I've spent more time with my spouse the last six months. And I don't, and certainly some people would say, and I spent more time with my spouse. <laughs> but then some people are saying, and I've really enjoyed this time. I, I feel, and, and we, I hear guilt from people that they feel good about things and are really doing well in their relationship. One of the tenets of relationships is the more time you spend together, the better your relationship is. They have been able to spend more time than ever now together. The people with younger kids certainly have struggled. Yeah. You know, we hear that and, and our data uh, indicates this as well, especially in those places where the kids are still doing online learning exclusively. You know, people are just cobbling together their daily lives here. So that didn't surprise me, you know, but the other people are, are doing, you know, pretty well, a lot of them. So that's nice to hear that there can be maybe a little bit of a silver lining. I agree. I, you've totally categorized me. So I was a newlywed. We hit our one year anniversary when the lockdowns happened. And this has now been the most time we've ever spent together really? under the same roof because we were long distance for a while. So I, I am, I am feeling like I'm happy that I picked the right one because it has not been awful. Good. <laughs> that's so good to hear. Oh, that's, I'm delighted to hear that. That's great. And you're not alone. A lot of people feel that way too. And you shouldn't feel guilty about it. This is hard right now, you know, and, and if we can have these little joys in our relationships, then that's great. So you mentioned you have about 800 who've kind of stuck around. When was the last time you checked in on them? How are they doing now? They're doing okay. But, but as you said, we're at an inflection point here where the numbers are really going up. You really want to kind of wait to get through the winter and see what these trends are like, even though I'm really eager to look at that data. So what does love in the time of COVID mean for our society as a whole? What can you extrapolate? The importance of social relationships. Without them, it's hard to find meaning in life. And I think this 
has made people appreciate their relationships a lot more. I'm often asked, what do you think life is going to be like after the pandemic? Are people going to be really hesitant to, to hang out and get close to other people? And now I tend to be an optimist, but I'm also driven by data. And I'm also an observer of history. If you've read about the 1918 flu pandemic, what you find is that I don't know how long it'll last, but the ability to hug a friend, to shake hands, to high five, to talk closely to somebody, even those close talkers that bug us at parties, <laughs> we're even going to not mind them so much, right? To be able to, to say, here, do you want a, a sip of this? But I think we already are appreciative. We're going to be really appreciative. I think that's going to be maybe one of the messages that carries through is the importance of human contact, of human connection. But also people are pretty clever about finding ways to maintain social connection, even in times of adversity. We can talk on Zoom. We can create pods where we have three or four people, families of choice that we can connect with and, and be creative. What would you recommend for those who are living alone, are single, those who are not able to readily have those connections already in place? Don't suffer alone. Reach out. If you can really make a commitment to being with a small group of people to spend time with, and they are also making that commitment to doing that and that they're being careful, that's what I would do. But I think it's important to reach out and, and not suffer alone. Overall, Professor Slatcher says, as far as relationships and happiness go, we're not doing that bad. And for the most part, that's what we found too. Ernest and Angela are still healthy and in relationships in South Sudan. Sebastian in Barcelona had a setback when he caught the coronavirus. He's not entirely sure how, but he's better now and still looking for the one. Alex Weitzman got sick of the apps and started one of her own. Amori is an app for people who feel lonely during the pandemic and really want to feel more connected. You tell us who you're attracted to, and then we find your top five most compatible matches. But when we release your matches, we also release them without photos. And so you're talking to someone that you know you're attracted to, and you know you should be compatible with them, but you don't know what they look like. We've just started recruiting for our private beta test. And she hopes you'll soon be able to download it in the App Store. Kanthi is still in Indonesia. And she and her boyfriend decided to take a break. COVID travel restrictions were too tough. But Nicole and Sharif are doing great. He's surfing and in training for the Tokyo Olympics. Nicole's still taking pictures and still says he is the best thing that's happened in this pandemic so far. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Alexandra Locke, Nagin Oliai, Oni Wohacha, Dina Kispe, Priyanka Tilve, Ne Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Natalia Aldana is the engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is the Takes executive producer. And we want to thank all our friends and colleagues who helped get us in touch with all of our lovers, including Jessica Washington and Nicholas Huck. We also want to hear how you and your relationships are doing this pandemic. Reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at AJ the Take. We'll be back.